Hey, everybody, we have a special episode for you today. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know that this is an episode about mother-daughter relationships. With that in mind, we know that this might be tough for some people to listen to, so we just want to hold space for you. And if you feel you need to skip this episode because it might be too tender for your heart, that's totally fine. We appreciate you, and um, we're excited for you to listen to this episode. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Melanated Faith. So today we are going to talk about the wisdom we've gained from our mothers and also mother-daughter relationships. So I have a few questions for you though. Has your mom ever said anything like this? When you know better, you do better. Stop crying before I give you something to cry about. I am not one of your little friends. I was praying for you in my prayer closet and I trust Jesus with your life. You gotta love black moms. I know my mom has said pretty much all of those. Yeah, my mom has said pretty much all of those, although I feel like the greatest all time is if you have McDonald's money, meaning (laughs) you can have it if you're going to spend your own money on it, which moms, nine-year-olds never have McDonald's money. Stop asking us. So true. Um, so Faith, to get us started, what do you think makes the relationship between mothers and daughters so special? I think the relationship between mothers and daughters is special because there's just this, I would say like connection and understanding of a mother looking at her young daughter trying to make her way in the world and become a woman. I think for us though, sometimes when we're young, it's hard to know like how special that is until you're an adult. Because (laughs) when you're young, it's just kind of like, you're just trying to cramp my style. You're just trying to tell me what I can't do. I'm my own person. I'm not going to be like you. I'm going to be me. And um, it's hard in that moment to see, you know, like the beauty of a mother-daughter relationship. But um, I think it's really special. Yeah. No, I think like my mom is probably one of my best friends, but I definitely can recall moments like as a teenager where I'm like, I hate you and I know you hate me because you don't want me to have any fun um, and you don't want me to be who I want to be. And I think I think what makes it yeah so special is just this, yeah, like someone to walk with you through what it is to be a woman and to grow up and I think knows the ways of the world, but also hopes for something better for you. I mean, I just think like, I think it's so special because it is like you have, in, a, in some ways it's like, you know, like your sister or if you don't have a sister, it's kind of like, hopefully you get to a point that is someone like one of your most trusted confidants that knows you, has known you from the beginning and loves you unconditionally. Yes, I would completely agree with that. How would you say for you now as an adult, your relationship with your mom has changed? Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I think my mom and I, okay, so one big change is that my mom, unless I ask her for advice, she won't give unsolicited advice anymore. But even when I ask, when I'm like straight up mom, tell me, should I do this or should I do that? She'll be like, well, what do you think God is telling you to do? And I'm like, now you had 18 years 
of offering your opinion on every little thing. Catherine, you should do this. Catherine, you should do this. You should apply to college here. You need to visit all of the colleges in Texas so you make the best decision. Now, when I'm asking you, <laughs> suddenly it's like, well, I trust God and I know that you're going to make the right decision. But I think it's like this idea of like, she knows what how she raised me and she knows what she's instilled in me. And she really wants me to, as much as possible, kind of walk in the things that she's put on me. And like, and I think she has realized, you know, now I'm like, 37 and you know we went through a period in our 20s where it was really difficult now navigating this um I think now it's like our for her it's like our relationship has changed in that she knows it's just not her place and she doesn't want to overstep and so I I appreciate that and I think one thing that's changed too is like I feel like sometimes I'm parenting her so my mom is like the most caring person she always puts other people before herself and so I feel like one thing in our relationship that's changed it's like my mom my job to be like mom you know what have you done for yourself this week like have you hung out with your friends have you like one thing is like she had really been wanting to create sort of an outdoor living space and she just been putting it off putting it off putting it off and I've been on her on her on her about just ordering the furniture um and it's because that's important to her and it's about her own self-care and she loves to sit outside in her flowers and like just relax and kind of be by herself and so I think that's the other way she doesn't give unsolicited advice but I also feel like I'm like her self-care <laughs> drill sergeant of like what are you doing for yourself like nope nope don't ask me about myself we're talking about you right now <laughs> what about I you love that <laughs> oh I feel like my relationship with my mom has changed so much over the years it's had its ups and its downs and I think I don't know I wish more people were honest about their relationships with their their parents in the sense that like Hey, it hasn't always been sunshine and roses. Like, I'm really close to both of my parents, but there's definitely been some highs and low lows. And so I think one of the things with my mom, how it's changed. So now, um, so now that I like have, once I entered my later 20s, a lot of things changed about our relationship. So in the beginning, because my mom was one of those parents, like my parents were like, You're, we're not friends. Like we were not raised with like, oh yeah, we're, we're buddies. Like my kid is my best friend. That was not the language my parents used. And so once I got to be like 18-ish, you know, like you're a quote unquote an adult, kind of, but not really. Um, But once I got to be that age, it still didn't feel like my parent like my mom was my friend and so I think like once I got to my later 20s um we were able to just like talk through some things but I also told my mom like I also like held you and dad in such high regard that it was really hard for my brain to make that pivot to friendship it just didn't feel like that at first for me um now granted we had our moments we did a lot of fun stuff together my mom is like one of my favorite people to travel with because she travels just like me. She's very easygoing. We don't have to have a ton of plans and we just have a lot of fun. And so, and she's simple. We don't have to spend a bunch of money. And so we have a blast when we travel with each other. But it took me a while to settle into the fact that like she wants to be my friend and she's not trying to parent me. And so that took a lot of communication on our part together. So there was times when I would ask her for opinion, much like you were just talking about with your mom. And I would have to say, um, I would have to give her clarity. Like she would say, do you want me to give you advice or do you just want me to listen to you? And um, I 
would say, which one I want. I want you to give me advice or I want you to listen to me. And that really kind of started to help our communication because before, if she would just give me advice, then it's like, you're just trying to control me. You just, you're just trying to, da, da, da. even though like I'm kind of asking, but then yeah. I don't want, you know, you're, yeah. like, you're asking, but uh, tell me, but don't tell me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. We definitely had to work through some of those things, Um, but I definitely think we've become the best of friends. And I don't have a sister, so she's definitely filled that role, I would say, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. What are some of the challenges you've experienced with your mom Um, And how did you work through them? Yeah, I think some of the challenges, my mom and I are totally opposite in personality. So she is an introvert. She's a a reader, Enneagram One, really introspective person, very like so kind, like just the most loving person. And I am more of an extrovert. I've kind of morphed into an ambivert as I've gotten older, to be honest. But I'm an outgoing personality, never meet a stranger kind of a person. And I just love to have fun. Like, and I love to do adventurous things. I've always been this way. And my mom was one of those people that was slow to make decisions. That would just drive me nuts because I was just like, act now, think later, you know. (laughs) So... So I've definitely learned some lessons on that, though, because there's been some things that I've like acted now, I think later, and I'm like, dang, I should have thought about that a little more. (laughs) So, but for a perfect example, I would say of our personalities is when I was young, I think I was like 11 years old, my dad and my brother went to this like conference and it was just my mom and I at home and we were in the drive through grabbing food and I looked at her and I said, mom. We need to have an adventure. Let's go somewhere tonight. Let's find a hotel. Let's go somewhere tonight. And she was like, tonight? And I was like, yeah, tonight. Let's go. (laughs) So this is back when there wasn't Google. There were the yellow pages, y'all. So we were looking through the yellow pages to find, you know, a hotel. And so we found a hotel with a good deal and a pool. And that night we packed our bags and we we were in Dallas at the time. So we drove or Grand Prairie and we drove to Las Colinas and there was just this regular regular hotel, but it had an indoor pool in it. And we got our swimsuits on and I just remember swimming in the pool, having so much fun with my mom. We got up the next morning and we went home. But like, I never forgot that because my non-spontaneous mother went on a spontaneous adventure <laughs> with me. And it meant the world to me because I'm like, wow, she got out of her comfort zone and she did something <laughs> yeah. that like I would want to do, you know. And so, um, yeah, I think I think that was really fun. So I think I would say to sum everything up, one of the challenges has been understanding each other. She wanted adventure too, but she just needed to think about it. And so um, as an adult, I've had to learn that we're saying really similar things, um, but we just say them differently and we approach things differently. And that has been the core issue, I would say, of some of the challenges that my mom and I have had over the years in our relationship is just understanding one another. Yeah, I think that's so funny. I feel like we need to get our moms together because I think I, you know, I don't think my mom is a one. I think she's a six, but it's the same sort of thing where she needs a lot of time to make decisions. And I just want a decision quickly. Like we go on family vacations, my mom thinks for months. And then even still as the date approaches, she still has not made a decision. And it's like, mom, are we going or we're not going? Like, where are we staying? We don't know. But it's because I think that same sort of thing, like she's trying to weigh out all the options. She wants to make the best decision. And I think that's one of the things is like working through that, like it's coming from a good place. Like I think I used to get so frustrated because I'm just like, because I'm the same way. I'm like, let's just do something. Like, 
we can pivot. We can, you know, if it's a horrible hotel, we'll go somewhere else. We'll get our money back, whatever. You know, because my mom is like the queen of like getting a refund if she is not getting satisfactory <laughs> customer service. <laughs> um, but I think also too, like recognizing it's not coming from a place that's like she's trying to inhibit me or stifle me, but like really she's trying to make the best decision. I think one of the biggest challenges is like for us it has been we communicate differently. Like I'm very direct in my communication. Like if I am feeling some way, I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm feeling. And my mom is not that way. You know, she, like my grandparents had her when she was a little bit old, when they were a little bit older. She spent a lot of time around adults and in a time where it's like kids just don't talk back to their parents or like you just aren't open about what's going on in your life. Like it's just a different generation. And so, um, so then when it comes to our relationship, when I am super direct, it, sometimes it can feel like for her, like I'm, it's like an attack and it's like, no, it's, I'm not attacking you. I'm just trying to have a conversation. But then also too, like, she is very sensitive outwardly. Like she will, you know, like you can tell like how she's feeling. I'm very sensitive, but I keep it to myself. And so I think sometimes because of the miscommunication, like we would hurt each other's feelings, but not like be able to talk about it. And I think one um, thing as an adult has been like learning how to say that to her um, in a way that's like respectful and that she can receive it. But then also realizing like, yeah, I just, you know, I can still be direct, but there's a, there's a way to do it in a way like I can't be direct with her the way I can be direct with my sister, if that makes sense. Um, and so just like learning those things about each other. And I think learning to give your parents the benefit of the doubt. I think one thing that's really hard as you get older is like when you're kids, your parents are these like perfect people and they never make mistakes. And I think as you get older, you realize they're humans too. Um, and they are doing the best they can with the things that they got from their parents. And so, um, yeah, I think just offering grace, I think has been like a really big one way to like work through challenges of recognizing, you know, all the things I thought of as a teenager, like, you're just trying to stifle me. You don't care about me at all. Like, that's not, yeah. <laughs> you know, as you get older, you're like, that's not what's happening here, you know? And so, um, and then I think it's just also too, you get more experience, you start hanging out with like your friends and their families and you start seeing like, I don't know. When I went to college, it was eye-opening for me, like just the amount of investment that my parents had made in me. And I it didn't occur to me when I was in high school. One, because I think as teenagers, you're very selfish and you're very self-absorbed. But then so true. <laughs> but then when I went to college, I was like, wait, uh, not everybody's family takes vacations every year. Not everybody's parents take them to museums. Not every parent like gives money, buys cars, you know, like, I mean, I went to Paris when I was like 14 or something like that. And it just was like, oh, wait, like, you know, my parents, everybody's parents lo loves them. And I like, but I just, it, I think it didn't occur to me. I think I really was like a spoiled brat. And like when I got to college, just the level of gratitude I had of like realizing that like for as much as we had conflict, um, mm -hmm. Eddie and Zelda went above and beyond <laughs> um, and just learning to be really grateful for that. And so out of respect, I think learning how to like give them the same grace I would want that I give to my friends or anybody else. So, yeah, I think that's so good. And it's really I think I love what you said, like remembering that your parents are human, too. I know that my mom has always got the brunt of all of my raw emotions and there was just times I just was not really considering her feelings or like how she felt about things. And so as I got older, I just had to remind myself like she's a person too. 
And um, just because she thinks differently or approaches something differently than you would, you that doesn't mean that you're right. So I know that sometimes those are our biggest tensions. I'm thinking I'm right. You're not doing this the way I think it should be done. Or from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like you're trying hard enough or that you're doing. If you would just follow the 10 steps I gave you, you know, like, and... And that, I mean, like, gosh, like, who am I to say the tense, you know? Yeah. But that's just kind of like one of our, like, we had a really big fight, like a really, like, big fallout at one point. And a lot of it was, like, how I am, like, projecting and perceiving things, you yeah. know, on her end. And in a way, like, she's grown, like, not letting her live her life and figure out what how she wanted to approach things, right? And thinking that I had the right answers of, like, how she should do it. And so it's just really interesting. I think if anything is just to remind ourselves of, yes, the humanity of our parents. So on that note, though, um, there are some changes you do have to make in your relationships with your parents when you become an adult. And it doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you don't respect them. But Catherine, like, how would you say you learned to navigate that like honoring your parents while still becoming your own person um so I'm gonna be very honest and say counseling (laughs) has been really helpful and like learning how to navigate that tension and just like learning how because I mean I think there are some very specific cultural things about black families and about when someone older I mean even at 37 I still say yes ma'am and no ma'am to people like my and they're like well we're you don't have to say you don't have to say that anymore and it's like no ma'am you're (laughs) you're older than me so there's like this specific level of respect and honor that is instilled in you from a very young age and it's very challenging I think then when you get to your 20 you know 18 19 your 20s your mid 20s to sort of break that habit and I think it's hard for your parents to break that habit and like thankfully with my family we're on the other side of that but like I do remember feeling like I can think of like a specific example where when I was in college I really wanted to study abroad for a semester and my parents were like that's not practical like you need to get a job this summer and feeling like okay like okay I'm gonna do what they're saying like I'm gonna get a job and then just kind of having this like tinge of regret um and thankfully you know I got another opportunity to do it in law school where we had the same conversation where my parents were like this feels like a waste of money we don't think this is wise you know what are you even gonna learn in law school in London that's gonna be applicable to what you're doing um in the United States But going through with it that time and being so glad I did and my mom came to visit and, you know, like it was wonderful. And like, I think even now, like, I think we both would say, like all of us would say that that experience, I think, was for my best. And so I would say the big thing about what I have learned is like, I mean, you're an adult person. And I think um, for my parents, I think what really helped them is like to say to them, you know, I'm being really prayerful. I've thought about all these things. I've thought about the cost. I've thought about this. I've thought about that. And I'm still going to do this. And and I think also too, like you guys have instilled all of these things in me. So helping them to like trust the work that they've already done. Right. Because it's like, because it's like, I think it's like that thing of like, it's not like I've been raised by some stranger and I'm being dropped off to you at 25 <laughs> and you have yeah. no idea about my level of maturity, what I've been learning these last 25 years. And it's like, no, you know, because you put those things there. And so trusting the work that you did and also recognizing, yeah, helping them recognize I'm not you and I'm feeling like I shouldn't have the pressure to be exactly who you are. And I think, yeah. cause yeah. all parents want better for their kids. And so like to say like, 
this is part of like me taking the things that you've given me, the tools that you've given me, the foundation you've built and really building my own house and like, you know, having, and I think saying that in conversations with them saying like, you know, you've given me this don't, you know, I would say don't allow resentment to build and like feel like you're being stifled. I would say to like have a conversation with your parents and say, you know, I appreciate the advice you're giving me, but you know, what you're saying might not be applicable to the world we're living in now. Um, One of the things my counselor said is like, you know, we're living in an iPhone world. So if you're giving me instructions on how to use a rotary phone like that, I don't need to know that. Like we live in a different age. Right. Um, And recognizing that maybe some of the things that worked for you aren't going to work in the age in which we are now. And like, you know, that's been a big part of it. I don't know how you how have you navigated that tension? Yeah. So I think that you know, I'm going to say a good bit of some of the tensions, not all of them, like some things have been on my parents' part for sure. And counseling has helped me navigate that, use my voice. I'm also kind of like the person just in general that I can get so caught up in like helping or trying to like be there for everybody in the family that sometimes I don't look at like, what do I want? What do I want for my life? And I think that a really crucial point in that for me was to for me to ask myself like hard questions. What does faith want to do? And to be honest, like my parents are really great. Like truly, like we had a very structured and in many ways sheltered upbringing. Our parents definitely it was like you're a kid and you're going to be a kid. Um, but once we turned 18, they were like, all right, God bless you good luck, you know, (laughs) and they were there for us, like they were there to help us, but they did give us room to fall forward, to fail, to try new things. And they weren't overbearing. But there were times when I had to say like, hey, I hear what you're saying. But this is what I would like to do. And much like what you said, I either said that, hey, I've been praying about this, thinking about this. And because while I do make hasty decisions sometimes, <laughs> there are certain decisions that they just know, like, I'm like, I've prayed about it. And I feel like this is what I should do. And then just go and do it. That's what happened when I moved to Austin. I up and moved within two weeks. And I um, got a job there. I was actually, my mom and I were roommates at a living in downtown, not downtown, but like near the downtown area of Houston. And um, I ended up leaving her. Um, she put up with me for that. And then I I also, when I was living in Greenville, South Carolina, just felt like I should move and I up and moved. And that was within like two weeks too. So, I mean, it's a pattern clearly. Um, (laughs) But my parents um, have really like, you know, grown to trust my better judgment and trust that they also like instilled the right things within me. And so knowing that like I can you know, make those decisions and, um, you know, make good decisions. But the only way for me to, to know my own self that I can make decisions was for me to trust myself and learn to trust the voice that like I have as a woman more than the voice of my parents, right? Because I got more confident in myself the more I chose to make decisions and not to look to my parents to make decisions for me. And also not to ask them to make decisions for me. Like, what do I think I should do? And lean into that. And if there was times when, you know, one of my parents was offering me advice that I just did not feel like I wanted to do, I would just say, hey, like, this is just what I feel like I need to do. And I would do that thing. And I think it's really important 
um, to find your voice and to know that you might make a mistake. Maybe your parent could be right, but how will you know to learn and grow and to trust yourself if you just let someone else make all the decisions for you? So. I think it's really healthy to ask questions, but then also just to set boundaries too. Like, hey, I really want to try this new thing and I have taken your advice into consideration. I'm praying about it and I feel like this is what I should do and I'm going to go forward with it and I'm going to try. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying. We miss a lot. We don't do a lot when we don't try, you know? So that's what yeah, I would say. I like love what you're saying about your parents might be right and you might fail, but still doing it anyway and like learning to trust your own ability to pivot and recover. Um, there's a line in one of my favorite um, songs um, by this rapper, Ornika. She says like, you know, I got to trust you or I got to jump or I'll die here. And I think we do miss so much of what God has for us in our lives because we are afraid to jump um and i'm not gonna it it is scary and yeah i love what you were saying about your parents could be absolutely right but like trust in your own ability and your own voice to like make it through um and i did want to say just i meant to say this at the beginning but i just wanted to say like i know there there are probably people listening that are in difficult places with their parents or maybe your mom has died and like um that this is really hard for you and so i just i also wanted to say like to hold space for that as well in that maybe you are in a place where you've had some sort of, you know, relational rift with your parents and you're not not talking to them right now. And just um, for you as part of navigating, honoring your parents, but also being your own person, you've had to set a firm boundary where you just are not in relationship with them for whatever reason right now. Not that you don't love them, but you're just not in communication with them right now and say like, yeah, I want to hold space for that. And to say that, um, God is still working and like not to give up on those relationships. Um, and then for those who've lost their moms, you know, to say like, yeah, hold space for that too. And to say like all the things that she taught you, you still have. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. Hey, everybody, we have a new guide from Be The Bridge called We Need To Talk, a BIPOC guide to healing ourselves. We hope you check it out and grab it. We know that you are going to absolutely love it and enjoy it. This is especially for people of color, for us to have healing conversations amongst ourselves. And um, I think it's really going to be beneficial for you. Also, if you want a leader group, guess what? There's some leader helps in the back for you. So you just buy the one guide and it's going to help you facilitate discussions with your friends and community. So I want to pivot to what are your, some of your favorite one-liners of wisdom from your mom? Some of my favorite one-liners of wisdom. I would say that there's something that my mom has always, always told me, and that is faith. You need to listen. Listen to people. Everything that you need to know, you will find out when you just listen. And of course, that sounds like really simple. Okay, girl. All right, I'm going to listen. But I realized as an adult, when I got older, different work environments and situations, what she was saying to not just on the surface listen, but you will hear everything you need to hear when you are truly listening to a person. That was some of the like 
best advice that she could have given me because I was in different difficult work environments at times. And there are certain things that I might not have picked up on or might not have known to be wise about if I wasn't truly listening to what people were saying, how they were saying it, the tone, the inflection of their voice. And it told me a lot about people by simply listening to them. And so That was some really key advice for me because it really changed how I even interacted with people once I was able to listen. And she would always say, if somebody's willing to talk to you about somebody else, they're probably going to talk about you. So just keep that in mind. So if they're coming to you and they're gossiping about somebody, nine times out of 10, they're going back behind your back and they're gossiping about you to somebody else. And I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) that's good. My favorite one for my mom and my sister and I have like it's we just like crack up. Okay, so my mom's favorite thing is like would always say when people show you how they are, believe them. And when I tell you, I thought for years that came from my mom. Like I thought she made that up. And I was like, and she's right. People will show you how they are. The same thing with like listening. People will show you how they are. And it's like, we have this thing of like, well, we will, well, you're saying all these great things and it seems like you're a really great person, but then in all of your actions, you're showing me that you're not trustworthy. And for some reason, we just want to keep pressing Mm -hmm. on with people. But it's like, no, when people show you how they are, believe them. When people show you how they are the first time, believe them. Um, But like when Oprah ended her show, she did this like retrospective of like her favorite moments. And one of the things was my her conversations with Maya Angelou. And Maya Angelou said that to Oprah, like when people show you how the first and and Oprah was talking about how that was like one of her favorite things, pieces of wisdom that Maya Angelou had ever given her. And I called my mom and I said, Mom, did you get this from Maya Angelou and Oprah? And she was like, yeah, obviously. And I was like, Mom, I have thought my entire life this was your words of wisdom. And my this is your quote. She was like, she's like, I mean, I never said that. But also, do you, she's just like, um, Maya Angelou is probably one of the wisest people that ever lived. And like, it's good advice. It's good advice. So I just wanted to like instill in you um, that you can believe people when they show you how they are. So that's probably like, I think my favorite, just because it, uh, like she says it all the time and she's so right. Um, Because I just think even in like, you know, dating relationships or friendships, people show you and then you just keep going or wanting something else and having your heart broken or you just end up in these unhealthy cycles and patterns. So it is really great advice, but it also is like my favorite because it just cracks me up because every time I think about it, I'm like, my mom, (laughs) my Angela was very wise. No, that's real. Because I think too, my mom would say that all the time and I did not know that that was from Maya Angelou. I think until you said that like a months yeah. ago I think another time we had talked about it and I was like really <laughs> like my mom would say that to me all the time too like all the no, time it's just like I That's think it's funny. just like a mother's wisdom. And when I think about my Angelo, like, and just reading her and like watching in- Angela uh, interviews, and I will say, like, even for me, it's like just funny because this goes to another thing you and I always talk about is like your mother doesn't always have to be the biological person that like birthed you. Like, there can be other people that have mothered you in your life. And whenever yeah. I think about like even in my writing or like when I'm really struggling, I have been mothered so much by Toni Morrison and my Angelo. So I also love it because it kind of 
ties together all the women in my life, mm-hmm. even sometimes Oprah, um, who I feel like at different points where I just, um, especially like in professional decisions where I really struggle or like wrestle, I always hear those voices. Those are the voices I most often hear in my head. Um, but yeah, I just, it, when I found that out, I just like died laughing because I was like, mom, Candace and I, is Candace is my little sister have always thought like, wow, that is a really wise thing. And my mom is so smart and she is smart (laughs) and wise because she was wise enough to quote one of the most wise women to ever live. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. I think that's so great that that happened to both of us. So um, this is a great point to ask, what do you love about your mom? And what are some qualities and traits that um, she's tried to instill in you? Yeah, I love my mom is super empathetic. Like she can walk with her friends or just people in the church um, for years through sadness, you know, brokenness, their own foolish decision making that has put them in a bad place. And um, it's funny because that has always been like very um, evident in her character and just the ways in which she cares and is super patient for pe- with people. My mom, her first career is that she was an accountant. Like she's really good with numbers too. She's always been really good at math. And then right around the time she turned 50-ish, she decided um, to go back to school and do a master's in counseling. So like that thing that had always been in her her and that she always is just kind of the thing that she's known for is that friend she went back to school and learned how to do it better which I also is one of my favorite things about my mom is that like I think you know we get these messages that your life is over at a certain point and once you're in a certain space you have to stay in that space forever and I think my Mm -hmm. mom in her own life has shown me that like you can reinvent yourself at whatever age whenever you decide to um and I just so feel like it was super brave of her to do that. So I, those, are, those are probably my two favorite things. And especially as an eight, I have no patience for that, like, whatsoever. I want to fix it. If you come to me with a problem, we're fixing it. Like, I don't want to hear about this. Maybe I can listen to you talk about it two times. <laughs> I, I distinctly, I've had several conversations. Well, I don't know if I've had several. I've, I've, try, I've, I've really been trying to work on this about myself, but... So I think my mom has tried to instill that in me. And I would say, I think you catch as kids, you're, you catch as much as you're taught or you're caught, however the saying goes. Because um, I think I'm a reader because my mom was a reader. I saw that. I love other cultures and I love museums because my mom always took us to like see African-American art exhibits at the museums in Dallas-Fort Worth. And um, so she made me curious about the world. I'm not as long-suffering or patient with people as she is, but I do think I try to see other people's, the other side of every argument or conversation I'm on and recognizing that, like, not everyone has had the same advantages or experience. And then my other favorite kind of saying that my mom always says is other people's perception is their reality. And so Mm -hmm. I do think the sense of empathy I do have for others, even when I vehemently disagree, comes from something I like have learned or my mom tried to instill in me um and then one funny thing that my mom has instilled in me is that I was I always try to clean the house before I leave on trips and this is particularly funny because my brother and I used to give my mom such a hard time about like we're leaving we're not going to be here why do we have to vacuum why do we have to do all these dishes like literally we'd be going on a family trip like and we would get up early not to pack but to like clean the house before we got in the car to like drive and my Mm -hmm. mom would be like well you know when we get back you never know who needs to drop by like whatever and we just thought it was the most ridiculous thing and now as an adult 
I realized you don't want to come back to Dirty House, especially if you're like me and you leave the your like suitcase unpacked for weeks at a time. You don't want to just know. contribute to <laughs> the chaos and disorder. And so I would say that was one thing that I think my mom instilled in me that I think just every time I think about like, why am I cleaning the house? I'm about to leave. It's like, oh, because I don't want to come back to a dirty house. And my mom was right again for the millionth time. I what about you? What do you love about your mom? I love so many things about my mom. Um, She is just, she's so loving and kind and just patient. I am not a patient person by nature. So there's a lot of similarities, obviously, between the two of us, Catherine, (laughs) personality-wise. So it's so funny because... I'm the same way. I'm like, gosh, okay, I have a very short threshold for these issues. Like, (laughs) you know, we got a few times and then we got to find a solution. I can't just be languishing um, in problems. Um, But my mom is, she is also, okay, so one thing about my mom that I love is that she went back to school um, to get her master's degree in counseling when I was 10, I think. And she was a stay-at-home mom, but counseling was like her passion. She was already on the phone all the time with her friends, giving them (laughs) wisdom and advice. And so she went back to school and she got her master's and then she decided to become a life coach before life coaching was even like on the map and anybody else was doing it and she did it that way because she wanted to start her own practice for like in her own counseling business that was based on life coaching and she didn't want the restrictions that because there are certain restrictions you get have with when you have like an LPC and so she didn't want that so she did life coaching and I remember her talking about it like life coaching is gonna blow up blah blah, blah. it just seemed so silly when I was young but life coaching obviously blew yeah. up and um And that is just her passion. Like, I love that she knew what her passion was and she pursued it. But the young me, the dumb me, um, was like, my mom is just a stay-at-home mom. I don't know. And because I, personality-wise, I became, like, career-oriented and, like, passionate about my career and all of these things, um, with my career, I... I didn't always, like, I think, see the value in what my mom was doing, um, not only as a mother, but just, like, pursuing school and all these other things. I was so focused on the fact that she didn't seem like she was what I I would have. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to say this right. She just didn't seem like she was what I um, would aspire to want to be. Like, I just didn't see myself in her because she was a stay-at-home mom. But I was totally missing the fact that she was a stay-at-home mom that was also in school and, like, built a career while we were kids. And so um, it was just really, like, interesting to me. Um, to see like how she did things and pursued things. And now that I'm older, I realize how special um, and meaningful it was, you know, the work that she did and the passion that she has and that it's still her career to this day. Like she literally started her own business from the ground up with zero clients (laughs) and um, and made it, made it into something, you know, so that's really special. And so I think the best way to say how much my mom means to me is I'm going to read this poem that I wrote about my mom, which is like the most favorite thing I've ever written about her but this is the way to say how much she means to me my complete opposite but I just I love her and um and yeah I love you mom and I'm sorry I put you through a lot but I'm glad we're great now um okay so I'm gonna start this poem it says 
I don't want to live life without my mother. Life without her means there is no air in my lungs, no wind in my sails, no one to comfort me in my darkest moments. Every day I see her preparing me for a world without her, and it's a world that I don't want to live in. She helped me become a woman, and I've bought her with my words. She nurtured me, and I accused her of taking things away from me. She prepared me, and I told her she was overbearing. And now I'm a mother, and I don't want to breathe without her. I now understand you in a way I never knew I would. I now treasure you in a way I never thought that I could. I don't want to breathe without you. There is no air without you, and there is no me without you. Faith, that was so good. Oh my God, I love it so much. And I was going to say, like, I see in you your mom's like pioneering spirit. Like when you were talking about like her starting being a life coach when like no one and like now everyone is doing that. And I think, yeah, I see that so much in you. Like where you just kind of are like, this is what I'm going to do. And then like, I think you see it oftentimes before other people do. And I feel like that is so cool that you, like I see that from your story about your mom and her being a life coach. Yeah, Faith's mom is so encouraging. If you ever meet her, she will speak life into you, like know you five minutes. And like, I remember when I first met her and I was like, I think you had like gone to the bathroom where you were making us breakfast or something like that. And like, I don't know, like even in that short time, I was just like, I think I started crying because I was like, oh my God, how do you, how do you know this about me? How are you like yeah. so affirming and encouraging and sh- I could go on and on. Her mom is great. Um, Yes. What are the memorable moments that you've had? What are your favorite memorable moments that you've had with your mom? Do you have a favorite childhood memory about your mom? I am going to say my favorite memorable moment. So I was turning 27. If you know anything about me, you know how much I love to travel. And I typically try to go on a big trip for my birthday. However, Um, The past few years, it's just been different with my work schedule, so I haven't always gotten to do that. But at 27, I made plans to go to Paris. I was dating this guy. We were planning on getting married. We were going to go on this trip, and we broke up. I broke up with him. And I was, like, at this critical point of do I go to Paris or do I cancel the whole thing? And I said to myself, I want this. I've wanted this. And much like we talked about in the last episode, um, I did not want to wait for a person to go because I'd already felt like I had waited long enough. I had been like, okay, Paris is going to be great. I'm going to go when I'm in love. Da, 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 da. And um, I was like, well, I am in, <laughs> I am not in love. I am, I'm in the slumps, you know, <laughs> but I was like, I still want to go. So I decided to go and one of my friends was able to help me. So um, to um, basically like pay to get my mom to to come with me. And so my mom came with me. And to this day, it was in like the most memorable trip of my life. One of my favorite ones, because she had a blast. She had never been to Europe before. And it was just like my joy to treat her. And as a way to just say thank you, like literally thank you. Everything that I have, everything that I am is because of all that you've sacrificed for me staying home and doing all the things that she did. Like the only reason why I am Faith with two T's, um, uniquely me, is because my moms would always say, Faith, you are Faith with two T's. There is no one like you. Be uniquely you. And she talked all the time about how she never wanted to stifle me. She always wanted me to feel free to be who I was created to be and that I was going to do great things. And um, 
She wanted to give me room to bloom, basically. And so that trip, just seeing the world through her eyes and her loving me, even though I'm like excited and sad at the same time, questioning my, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm single again. And and she just was so great. Like at every turn, she literally got a cupcake from outside from a Starbucks and everything was closing and saying happy birthday to me in the, you know, the open air street. And it was just so fun. Like she is just so special. So I think that I would have to say that's like one of the most memorable moments with her. Yeah, I love that. That's so sweet. Um, Mine is is from my childhood I think I was probably about five or six so I always have had like this um I was a very anxious child I still as an adult um I'm always working to manage my anxiety um so it was quite common for me to pretend like I was sick so I didn't have to go to school and my mom historically would be like okay well let me take take your temperature and if I didn't have a temperature she would be like you're not sick get dressed you're going to school <laughs> um <laughs> but I remember I was probably about five or six and I knew I was faking that I did not feel good. Um, and I knew I didn't have a fever. And instead of this like regular routine of like her taking my temperature and being like, you're not really sick. You have to go to school. She was like, OK, you can stay home. And it's like at, I'm at that age where I realize, you know, I'm lying. Why are you? what's happening here? (laughs) Like what's happening here? Um, and she was like, no, you can stay home. Like you need rest and you know, like you can go back to sleep and like your dad will take your brother to school. And, um, you know, I think my sister was in preschool, like, you know, so my dad took my siblings to school and we just spent the whole day together. Like we like both, like she didn't go to work that day. Like she got back in bed with me and like, we just, Yeah. And she let me like my favorite outfit when I was like that age as I had these like gray cowboy boots and this like dress that matched. And I if if I could have, I would have worn that outfit every day. And my mom, (laughs) my mom did not let me also because the school I went to, I think we had to wear uniforms. But she let me when I finally did get up, like put on my favorite outfit. And it just was like the best day. And I think like um, that thing is like very uh, emblematic of just my mom and how she like cares for me. Like when I'm very anxious of like, just being this like calming presence and like being like, it's okay. Like you can rest. Like you don't have to push yourself beyond your limits. And then I think just that, like whatever mom sixth sense it is of like discerning when it is you need to push your kids and when it is you just need to be a soft place to land. And I think my mom has like an excellent mom sense of like knowing when it's like a soft, when I just needed a soft place to land. And I think that's like my earliest memory of her, like my earliest memory and experience of like what God's grace must feel like. But also, yeah, because it was like, you know, I'm lying. I do this every day. Like, you know, I'm lying. And I don't remember if something was happening at school, if like we had a test or like something was going on with my friends. I really don't know why that particular day. And I still to this day, my mom might know like why that day was different than any other time I pretended like I was sick so I didn't have to go to school um but it was just the best and I think one of the things is is like my mom has always had sort of like um she has arthritis so like a you know chronic thing and health um issue and so you know there are days when she's not feeling good but she makes what always like you know try to push herself to like do fun things with us and take care of us and like um you know go on trips with us and I just like love that about her because I think oftentimes like as an eight I really don't usually make myself do things I don't want to (laughs) do like if I'm not feeling good I'm not feeling good I'm not gonna do it um and to have someone who consistently will push through um however they're feeling for the sake of other people in your life is just such a blessing and a gift and I love my mom and she's 
wonderful and you know we've had our ups and our downs but like Zelda Freeman was made for me so um with all of that we hope you enjoyed today's episode and um that you will call your mom and tell her you love her (laughs) um and thank her um in some way um after listening to this episode and um yeah we love you guys and thank you for rocking with us so we're gonna do now turn to our favorite segment um go off sis and go off sis we share something that we're loving or something that is a mess that needs the blood of jesus to cover and fix it (laughs) um so faith i'm gonna let you go first this week what are you loving what's a mess okay so i am going to say i just love sisterhood and solid friendships i mean i feel like They've honestly been healing for me, especially this week. I mean, just having friends to laugh with, send memes back and forth (laughs) to funny videos. Like, it has just been balm for my soul. Also, just my family, who's been just so great. And I'm just so grateful for community. I think it's just so necessary. And I think oftentimes in the world that we live in and technology, social media, like, it's just so easy to, like, distance yourself um, from true community and um, I think it's important to embrace that and to just see like like how much you need it truly so that's where I'm gonna say with that and then the other thing that is a mess well there's a lot that can be said about this past week <laughs> there's a lot that can be said but um, to that effect I'm gonna say that I have been working on I I'm not I mean like I watched that um, documentary the social dilemma and like there truly is a dilemma um, <laughs> and so like I am, I am uh, trying to work on limiting my own social media um, like time and so because I find that I just think I'm on it too much and And part of it is just work, like part of my work entails being online. And so um, it's just hard to kind of, you know, put those boundaries up in place. And so I'm really trying to work on what that looks like for me. And also just making some space to to write. So I'm going to be writing an intentions guide and then just doing an Instagram series on this because after this past week, I am 100% convinced. Um that everybody is talking and no one is listening. And yes, that's what it's going to be called. Um, (laughs) So everyone's talking, no one is listening. I'll be writing a lot more about that soon. But my hope is, is that we can actually engage in thoughtful discussions. Um, I really feel like we've lost so much of that. So Anyways, gosh, it's been a week. It's kind of been a dumpster fire. Who, I mean, am I right or am I right? Um, but- <laughs> no, this week has been too much. I was going to tell you, if you were not aware, um, shout out to Annie Downs, who is how I found out about this. But the new iPhone update, one of the things you can do is set time limit on your social media in yes. the settings. And so it's like you can say like a set amount of time that you want to spend on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Um, and then you get this like notification that it literally will cut it off and be like time limit time's up today (laughs) now you can ignore the limits that you set but I have found it very helpful because like I think I set my limit for like an hour and it was crazy to me how quickly that came like and so I'm working on trying to get to my time limit later in the day because I think the first couple days it was like 
11 o'clock a.m. You're at your time <laughs> for the day. And that's just too much. So yeah. yeah, I totally feel you about that unplugging more. Um, so I'm gonna do two blesses. One is gonna be like pop culture, like music related, because I feel like there have been a really a lot of great albums that have been released um lately, and I want to talk about some of those. Um, so Corinne Hawthorne released a new album called I Am. Love her, love her voice. Um, KB, who's a Christian rapper. His Glory Alone. Mm-hmm. I love this album. It's like he somehow combined like Christian worship music and rapping, and it is just fabulous. And then my girl Tasha Cobbs, who just whew, Tasha has a new album out as well. And then also two guys. Mm-hmm. By the time this podcast airs, the new-ish volume of Maverick City Music will be out. And if you don't know about Maverick City Music, girl, what are you doing? They are going to get you through 2020. And um, so I'm going to say download those. Um, And then my more serious bless, college students. So I think this past week I spoke at chapel, small-ish East Texas Baptist University. And just the conversations that I was able to have with the students after um, and just... I don't know, like how they're thinking about life, how they're thinking about calling, you know, in light of all the things that are going on in the world. Um, It's just so inspiring. Like my job, um, especially freshmen have had a really difficult year. And I think we're some Mm -hmm. in some ways um, underestimating the ways in which they might be marked by missing the typical senior year events. You know, if they didn't get to have graduation, they didn't yeah. get prom. And then going into freshman year where colleges are just vastly different than, you know, what most of us experienced our first semester of college. And watching them be resilient, watching them, like, learn how to navigate anxiety and make friends in ways in which, you know, you can't gather. There are not these big group activities um, on a lot of college campuses. Mm. And the, just the the character that they're building during this time is like super inspiring and so i want to shout them out for that and then my mess this last week it's too much it's just too much too much news i'm like if you think about the last week and all the things that we've learned people are not made to process that much huge information in such a short period of time and it's just you know, I'm a fan of unplugging. Um, I think that's great. And I think also to you, like drinking water from a walk, it's like drinking water from a fire hose. Unlike um, just so many things like the Breonna Taylor grand jury tapes have been released, the things going on with the coronavirus and the president, the presidential debates, um, the stuff that we're learning about what's happening at the border. Like <sighs> this world is a mess. And I just ask that Jesus fix it. Give us the capacity to like um, handle it. And I think also, too, to just be discerning in these times, right? Like, because I think the tendency is, like, yes, sometimes we do need to shut off and create space, but sometimes God is calling us to go deeper. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of Christians, our tendency is to be like, well, this world is not our home, or to bust or both sides it and be like, well, you know. And I think that comes from a place of privilege, and I think it's also, too, a little bit of a misunderstanding of what God has called us to be in this world. Because there's a reason why, um, you know, when you became a Christian, you weren't immediately snapped up into heaven. And so to say, well, this world isn't my home or this doesn't really affect me, that's a place – you're coming from a place of privilege that other people don't have. And it's it's very callous and, mm-hmm. and it's very shallow. Um, and so I would just say it is overwhelming and it is stressful. And I do think you need to create a rhythm of unplugging and rest. 
But then I think also, too, you're creating that rhythm of unplugging and resting so that you can engage the work deeper in your neighborhood, in your community, in your world. And so don't ever forget that. Like, don't be a, oh, I'm going to turn everything off and everything is awful kind of person and put your head in the sand um, and pretend like, you know, people aren't suffering. But we rest to work. <laughs> so don't forget All that. Right but yeah, now. this last week. Oh, Jesus. We need you. Um, Okay, well, that's all for today, guys. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. Hey, everybody. We're so excited that you've been rocking with us for the Melanated Faith podcast. I have to be honest with you. It is... Um, really been such a fun journey to create and have like these meaningful conversations that all of you are listening to. We're all friends now. And so we love it so much, but we would love to have your support over on Patreon. Um, We're offering some really fun things um, to people who are joining us in our community. We've done a special um, podcast episode over there already, and we're going to keep dropping more special things over there for our patrons. So we hope you will join us over on Patreon. And we want to shout out one of our newest patrons, Kelly. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us in this work. We hope that we will be able to call out some new names for you guys next week. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. We love you guys.